I'm going to read from Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow, Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have sent these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone, so that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation." But Moses sought the favour of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, it was with evil intent that he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There's the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, It is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf they had made and burnt it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it.
A couple of years ago, my friend bought me this mug. It's an alright size, you can get a decent brew out of it. But the thing about it is that it says, everyone is entitled to my opinion. I'm not really sure what she was trying to say. We're still speaking. But in this day and age, we all have a right to an opinion, or at least we think we do, about anything and everything. We have a right to opinion on all sorts of things, whether it be politics, whether it be who's going to win the next Strictly Come Dancing, if you're into that, and to who God is and how he interacts with the world. But the problem is, we're not necessarily interested in who God actually is. We can sometimes be interested in who God is as far as we're concerned. And that's where we find the Israelites in tonight's reading. They're more interested in who God is for them. They take what they highly value and they create it into something that, well, into their own version of who God is. And we do that too, don't we? We make the mistake that they did. We too, time and time again, mould God into what we want him to be rather than seeking who he really is. We decide what we're comfortable with and we make God fit that image instead of finding out who he really is. So how do we avoid doing that? Well, looking at the start of Exodus 32, it seems at first as though the Israelites have given up on God and are worshipping another God. It's like they've decided to make an idol into the shape of a calf and are choosing to worship that instead. But that's not entirely true because in their minds some people say that they're not replacing God but the following God just in a different way verse 5 says when Aaron saw this he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord the whole festival with this golden calf isn't about some other God it's about the Lord God everything they're doing is for him they've not suddenly turned against him They're not trying to turn other people away. They're just trying to serve him in their own way, which they seem to have got wrong. They're not attempting to form their own kind of religion or anything like that. They're just reinterpreting things a little bit and ignoring a lot of what God has told them in the past. And God has told them quite a bit in the past. He'd been with them when they were in slavery in Egypt. He sent Moses to rescue them. He delivered them through the Red Sea, yes, through it, not over it. He provided manna for them in the desert. He was with them throughout everything. And with the whole nation at the foot of the mountain, he gave them the Ten Commandments to follow. He did that so that they could live well in relationship with him and well in relationship with each other. He'd spoken directly to them and given them those commandments But they weren't written down, so Moses had to go back up the mountain to receive the tablets from God. We're told in verse 16 that the tablets with the Ten Commandments on were the work of God. Moses didn't create them, God did. And when he went up to get them, um, he was gone quite a while, and the people didn't know when he was going to come back, if he was going to come back at all. And it seems as though people back then were the same as people are today now, Because we know that they began to speculate. They began to talk amongst themselves and come up with their own uh, theories about what's going on. 
You see, they were stuck in the desert. They didn't know what was going to happen next. And Moses, well, he was nowhere to be seen. Where was this Moses fellow, they asked. So, being impatient like many of us are these days, they began to take matters into their own hands. They were too impatient to wait to see when Moses was going to return, so they decided to do things their own way. Instead of trusting what God had already told them, i.e. how to live following the Ten Commandments, they create God on their own terms. They came up with their own version of God, and that God is something they're comfortable with, something they can control too, and they call it the real God. They gathered together jewellery and coins, and they melted it down to create this calf, and they worshipped that calf. You see, they wanted something visible. They had a hard time relating to this invisible God who actually had guided them so well for so long. Israel had spent so much time in God's presence, so what on earth were they playing at doing this? They'd followed him, like we said, through the Red Sea. They'd followed a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar um, of fire by night. They'd seen his power and majesty as he'd shown them in lightning and the earth shaking between, beneath their feet. They, of all people, should have had a secure knowledge and experience of who God is. But then Moses went to the top of the mountain and everything seemed to change. Maybe they were weary of following a God they couldn't see. They might have been tired of following a God without knowing exactly where he was taking them. They wanted a God who'd do things the way that they did things or wanted things done. A God they could be comfortable with. They wanted a God who, could, who they could change to their way of thinking. So they made a God of their own liking. And that's where this golden calf came in. <clears throat> As you might guess, neither God nor Moses was very pleased with this. And God charged them with being corrupt. They were insecure. You see, the people had a strong leader in Moses. They had someone who helped them follow God and figure out who God is. But he'd gone. And they didn't know when he was going to come back. And it's their impatience and their insecurity that led them to try and find a cultural way of dealing with things. Or put it another way, they compromised what they knew they should do. It's important that we remember that the issue is not that they had a hard time waiting. It's what they did when they couldn't wait anymore. You see, we all have situations where we have to wait on God. We all have things we're waiting for, um, for God to do in our lives. And it's hard. It's really hard sometimes. Because we know that waiting is hard. We often lose patience and try and do things our way instead of his. Often we refuse to wait, but thankfully we serve a God who knows us, knows that we're flawed and cares about us enough to have a relationship with us. But what the Israelites did was choose to ignore what God had told them and bow to the cultural expectations and ways of doing stuff. And it was their insecurity that made them make these foolish decisions. They approached Aaron with this ridiculous suggestion. They asked him to make this idol, and he did. That's the surprising bit. I'm pretty sure that God had only just told them not to make any other gods before him or make any idols of any kind. But you see, they probably thought they were just making a focal point, an image that could be at the centre of the community. 
and not wanting to make excuses for them, it's important that we remember that they were used to having images of gods around them all of the time. They grew up with that as a norm. And since they didn't know when Moses was going to come back, they decided to create another link between them and God in the form of this golden calf. They still think they're worshipping God, but they worship like the pagan culture that they'd come from. There now seems to be no difference whatsoever between what they're doing and the culture they'd previously been part of. They held a festival, and this festival itself violated so many of the Ten Commandments. They majorly compromised God's standards and expectations for them. And you know, we do that too, don't we? For them, the compromise had come when they were man-centred instead of God-centred. Aaron had given in to the demands of the society. He compromised. No one is really able to say why it was a calf that they made, but the calf was a popular representation of God in pagan circles. Though as a general rule, the deity was shown to stand on a calf rather than being the calf itself. But whatever the reason, they created this image and they worshipped it. And Aaron is portrayed as a practical leader. And he was willing to compromise on the theological details a bit in order to appease the people. The people wanted tangible images of gods. Gods who are a bit more accessible than Yahweh and intermediaries who are a bit less cranky than Moses. So Aaron blurs the lines a bit. He made them this calf, and he let them think what they wanted about it. And in the end, they ended up with this idol. They'd gone far, far off track. Aaron was a bit of a people pleaser. And you know what? We don't half get ourselves into trouble when we compromise in order to please people instead of God. You see, compromise happens when we worry more about what people think than what God thinks. And compromise also happens when we form God in our own image. After making this calf, he calls people to worship. You see, so often we end up worshipping the things that we create instead of God himself. We worship our image of who God is. And instead of looking to God, we look to who we want him to be. And when we do that, we're bound to miss something. We're bound to get it wrong. He is God. He isn't anyone who can be fully explained or fully understood. If you fully understand something, you don't worship it, you use it. And we should never allow ourselves to be people who use God when it suits. He's in charge of us, not the other way around. He created us and is bigger than anything we can properly understand. And we need to make sure that we don't shrink him to fit the thing that our human minds can cope with. Because, you know, compromise will always take you in the wrong direction. When Aaron was confronted about the calf, he lied about how it was made. He tried to separate himself from any involvement. Now, I've heard some excuses in my time, but I read a list of interesting excuses for why people are late to work, and they are this. Number one, you should have told me to be here on time. I didn't realise. Is it spring forward or spring back? As in when the clock's changed. I won't be in work today on time. My brain is full. I super super glued my eye thinking it was contact solution. (laughs) You'd want proof, wouldn't you? I made the mistake of letting some Jehovah's Witnesses in and they wouldn't leave. 
I wasn't thinking and accidentally went to my old job. I was taking a phone survey and lost track of time. These were apparently real. I was losing my mind this morning and it took me half an hour to find it. Is it fall forward or fall back? Again, when the clock's changed. The radio was broken in my car and I couldn't drive without music. And one that I really like, they all seem a bit ridiculous, but never mind, it's just a bit of fun. My left turn signal was out, so I had to make all right turns to get to work. (laughs) But of all the excuses ever used, this had to be the worst excuse ever. They gave me gold, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. I mean, really? I don't think so. That has to be the lamest excuse in the history of excuses. It was cast into the shape of a calf. He made it that way. Which means first he will have built a model, then he will have built a cast, then he will have opened the cast, then he would have closed the cast and filled it with gold, and then he would have melted down their gold, well, after he's melted down the gold, and he would have broken the cast again and shaped it into a calf shape. But after all that, he says, well, I just threw the gold in the fire and out popped this calf. It's a miracle. I didn't do it. It's not my fault. These are excuses we use every day. We use them ourselves and we hear them from each other. And the only thing anyone really knows for sure is that most of the time it's a lie. Maybe it's a lie we tell ourselves in order to feel better, but it's still a lie. Now imagine that you're Aaron. Your brother Moses is seeing visions and hearing voices, but he's gone. He's up the mountain and he's left you with all these people. They've been living in Egypt for 400 years and they're running scared. They don't know where they're going or when they'll get there. They don't understand this invisible God Moses is talking about. They want a God like back in Egypt, a God you can see and touch. So Aaron takes this old familiar image and he creates a new version. Compromise may seem innocent at times, and at times it might seem right, but compromise never takes us in the right direction. And you know, the problem wasn't peer pressure. So often with young people, we talk about peer pressure, but here it's a pattern pressure. It's an old pattern that he was still carrying in his head. You see, we know that God is bigger than us. We know that his plans are deeper than our plans. We know that his truth is deeper than anything we can ever grasp. And when we're confronted by God, who is all these things, then we have to face our own need to change. Every glimpse of God takes us deeper into the unknown. Every time we grow, our old self has to die. And if God is... If we really want to have a relationship with God, we need to be prepared for that. That's the constant reality of living in a relationship with a living God. It's not always easy and it's not always fun. It's so much easier to settle for a golden calf. It's so much easier to distract ourselves with something flashy. And it's so much easier to stick with the patterns that we know. And it's easier than admitting that we've ever made a mistake as well. The Bible tells us story after story of people who have messed up. But grace runs throughout the Bible. It's impossible to learn from a mistake as long as you're saying, it's not my fault, I threw in the gold and I popped this calf. We're not fooling anybody. 
Half of the time, we're not fooling ourselves and we're certainly not fooling God. You see, the people were settling for what they could see and what they could understand. But God is so much bigger than that. The Israelites are messed up again because they compromised. And we have the same choice to make too. We can choose whether we're going to follow what we know God requires of us and his will for our lives, which is the biblical reality. Or we can compromise and follow what culture expects of us, a cultural reality. The Israelites chose the cultural reality. It was familiar, it was fun. It meant they had a good time, and besides, everyone else was doing it, so why shouldn't they? They had the Ten Commandments to follow, but the old familiar ways were much more fun, and they were much more appealing because they were used to them, and they were familiar. They chose to follow culture and not to follow God. Now, at this point, I feel the need to clarify that our faith doesn't mean that we just have a list of do's and don'ts and it's really boring and hard work, because, yes, it can be hard work, but it's not like that. It's not a list of rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. But it's in our relationship with God who made us and cared for us that we need to grow and we need to be willing to change. And we can choose. We can choose to become more and more the people he wants us to be. Or we can choose to follow the cultures of our day, be that just a tiny little compromise. And sometimes we kid ourselves into thinking we've kind of got it all sorted and we're living good life so you know it's all good. We think we properly understand what it means to be God's people and live by his commandments. And maybe we do understand it, but when we see the world around us living the way that culture dictates, can we honestly say we're people who don't compromise? Can we honestly say we're not man-centred instead of God-centred? That our needs of approval from others doesn't influence us more than we'd like to admit? That our insecurities and our desire to please people is greater than our desire to please God? Can we really say we don't compromise because we've formed God in our own image instead of the other way around? That he is who we want him to be at any given moment. We're all influenced by society around us. And when we see everyone else living by the standards of the culture rather than God's standards, it's easy to do the same. The Hebrews were given God's words from God himself. Yet they reverted to the norms of the society that they were from. Sometimes, without thinking, we do the same. When we compromise... We're in danger of creating our own image of God that isn't who God is at all. And what we have instead, it might be precious. It might be golden and shiny and highly valuable. But it's not God. We should want God. We need to be people who pay more attention to God's reality rather than the culture around us so that we too are not in danger of compromise. Let's pray together. Father God, help us to be people who live entirely for you. Help us be people who don't compromise. We know that what you have for us is more important and more uh, precious than anything else. Lord, guide us and give us opportunities to grow closer to you and know you more and more so that we can truly serve you where we are. Amen. 
Let's close our service by singing number 108, Fill Thou My Life, O Lord My God. Let's stand to sing. close by saying the grace to one another. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.